Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, today's Tuesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast will continue our ultimate division crossover series, our training camp preview with all of the hosts from the Locked On podcast of the AFC South. But today is Titans Day. It's Titan Tuesday. Here I will be put in the hot seat in our ultimate division crossover and I will be taking questions from the other hosts. That is Evan Sidery from the Locked On Colts podcast, Tony Wiggins from the Locked On Jaguars, podcast and John Hickman of the Locked On Texans podcast. So as we did yesterday with the Texans, today we will have a two-part conversation with those hosts talking about the Tennessee Titans. So really excited to bring that conversation to you guys as we continue the Ultimate Division crossover series. But before we get into that conversation, I do want to talk to you guys about an interesting quote that we got from John Robinson recently regarding Mike Vrabel's style, not just as a teacher to the players, but how he handles his coaching staff as well and his hands-on approach. So we will talk about John Robinson's comments about that and how we have seen that from Mike Vrabel. And like I mentioned, not just with the players, with his coaches, but also with draft prospects. Every aspect of being a head coach in the NFL, it seems that Mike Vrabel has taken a hands-on approach. So we will examine those comments and talk about how Mike Vrabel has actually put that into practice as examples right in front of us. So really excited to kick off this Titans Tuesday. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so you get all of the other installments in our Ultimate Division crossover series coming later throughout the week and get the content that I will be pumping out for you guys Monday through Friday throughout the entire offseason through until the regular season kicks off in September, we hope. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. We are going to have our Friday mailbag this week, so make sure to send your questions there. But a Titans Tuesday is ahead of us, guys. We got a great conversation where I will be on the hot seat talking everything Titans with the rest of the division and also will be talking about Mike Vrabel's hands-on approach to being a head coach. Let's get it. Vrabel has been known for his hands-on style, whether it be working out during drills with draft prospects, whether that be in practice or training camp with his own players, defensive lineman drills, linebacker drills, mixing it up with offensive linemen as well. Mike Vrabel is a hands-on aggressive style coach, and that translates not only from the field, but also with his coaching staff and the way that he likes to divvy out responsibility and how he likes to be involved in the process with his coaches and it's something that in a recent interview with Paul Kaharski, Titans general manager John Robinson actually spoke to. Robinson had this to say about Mike Vrabel, quote, I think it has been known that he was a hands-on coach but even more hands-on and he loves football so much he spends as much time on the offensive side and in the kicking game as he does on defense. A lot of the time when you got a defensive player who's been a defensive coach, you expect him to spend most of 
of his time on the defense. Well, he had Dean Pease. He's entrusted some coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball, and he spent a lot of time on offense and special teams. And now that that side is going good, you know, he just kind of bounces around, and he's been really, really more hands-on than I expected him to be. End quote. That makes a lot of sense from Mike Vrabel, who, as he has talked about himself, has been at every single level of the NFL. He's played special teams. He's played defense. He was even involved in some offensive meetings during his time with the New England Patriots when he played a lot on the offensive side of the ball during goal line situations as a situational type tight end. So he's been involved in all of the different meetings that you can be involved in as a player. It would make sense that he would want to be involved in all of the different meetings as a coach. And since Arthur Smith was a first-time offensive coordinator last year and Dean Pease was a very veteran, experienced defensive coordinator, it makes sense that Mike Vrabel was going to push the majority of his time to the offensive side of the ball and to the special teams unit to make sure that those are going well since he could trust somebody like Dean Pease on the defensive side of the ball. That makes you wonder going forward into 2020. Now that Arthur Smith has shown that he does have some ability as an offensive coordinator, he showed an incredible creative streak last year designing the Titans offense around Ryan Tannehill once they made the push late in the season. Dean Pease is gone now. Will that allow Mike Vrabel to shift the majority of his attention to the defensive side of the ball? Earlier in the offseason, Mike Vrabel talked about how outside linebacker coach Shane Bowen will be his right-hand man on the defensive side of the ball. Now, whether that means that Shane Bowen will be calling defensive plays or he'll just be leading the defensive meetings like Dean Pease was last year when Mike Vrabel was in other meetings is yet to be seen and yet to be announced. But one thing that we do know is Mike Vrabel will be bouncing around constantly. It's just to be determined how much attention he will give to each side of the football. We know obviously from these comments last year he spent more time away from the defense, but since Pease is gone, maybe Mike Vrabel will spend more time with the defense this year, but maybe he relies on Shane Bowen enough and trusts Shane Bowen enough to where he continues to spend the majority of his time with the other units of the football other than defense. So we will have to see how Mike Vrabel divvies up those duties and divvies up his time going forward into the season. But either way, it does appear that he will continue to have a hands-on approach not only on the field with players via the draft or his own team, but also with his coaching staff as well. And that has obviously caught the attention of his general manager and it's something that has impressed John Robinson so far. And speaking of John Robinson, John Robinson has a major decision looming tomorrow. So this episode is going to drop on Tuesday and that means that tomorrow Derrick Henry's deadline will arrive and if the Titans do not get a long-term deal done with him by Wednesday's deadline that means that he will play the 2020 season on a one-year franchise tag and will become an unrestricted free agent next offseason and at that moment the the writing would basically be on the wall that the Titans would be willing to let Derrick Henry walk and obviously there are all of the different arguments for paying running backs in their second contract versus what Derrick Henry means to the Titans in a unique situation. So all of those arguments have been played out on our show and, you know, all over the place throughout the entire offseason. Now it just, you know, it's time to watch and see what John Robinson does. So at this moment in time, when I'm recording this exact moment, uh, this is late on Monday evening, have had no news 
to give us an update on what to expect, but Tuesday I'm expecting to hear something. So I will be, you know, back with you guys to to talk about that as soon as we have some actual news on that front. But with that out of the way, I uh, wanted to make sure that I mentioned that, of course. Uh, obviously, I'm not forgetting about that. Uh, being a, a major thing popping up on us right now that we have to watch. But with that out of the way, we will move into the second installment in our Ultimate Division crossover series. It is Titans Day, ladies and gentlemen. So I will be getting in the hot seat after a little bit of a break here and have all of the other hosts from the Locked On AFC South podcast, Tony Wiggins, Evan Sidery, and John Hickman asking me some questions. So excited to dive into that with you guys next. We are back for part two of our Ultimate Division crossover, our training camp preview for the AFC South. We are here. I am the host of the Locked On Titans, Tyler Rowland, here with host from the Locked On Texans, John Hickman, host of the Locked On Colts, Evan Sidery, and host of the Locked On Jaguars, Tony Wiggins. We are going to be discussing the Tennessee Titans today, and obviously the Titans had a magical run at the end of the season to the AFC Championship game. They have brought back most of those pieces, including quarterback Ryan Tannehill on a huge $100-plus million deal. Looks like Derrick Henry will be back on the franchise tag, but today he could sign his extension with the Titans before the franchise tag deadline tomorrow on July the 15th. So that is something to watch. Of course, the Titans defense is relatively the same as well. A few key veterans have left like Jarrell Casey, but they have slid in a few key pieces like Vic Beasley as well. So the Titans will look to mostly bring back the same core and repeat the success they had last year in hopes to take that next step. But that's kind of where the Titans sit right now going into training camp. Tyler, let me start this off here, putting you on the hot seat. So I say like we've done doing through the whole week here on the ultimate division crossover. And the first one I had for you at least is about the quarterbacks last year, because from the cold side of things, they played Marcus Mariota in week two, and then from there they played Ryan Tannehill, and obviously the results flipped for them. When Tannehill kind of shredded their defense up and Mariota in the first match, couldn't really do much at all. What was it like watching Mariota last year struggle so mightily and then seeing Ryan Tannehill kind of being reborn, so to say, in Nashville? I would say all of it is bittersweet, quite frankly, because uh, the Titans were down for so long for a decade before Marcus showed up and while he had his ups and downs and was never incredibly consistent outside of his second year in 2016 before his first major injury um, you had an attachment to Marcus for that reason gave him a playoff win the comeback some of the moments against you know the Jaguars the stiff arms things like that and to watch him kind of crumble before our eyes in the moment where it was like, this is his fifth year or his fourth year, you know, it's, it's, it's go time. It's the last one of his rookie contract. You know, it's time for him to show it. We got a bunch of weapons around him. Everything is in place to compete. And he just, he just couldn't do it. And it was, it was sad, quite frankly, you were angry during the season or frustrated, I guess, is the proper emotion to explain because uh, you want to win 
You know, at the end of the day, everyone's watching the games and we want the team to win. And I was frustrated. But after the switch to Tannehill happened and, and you saw Tannehill kind of take off my lasting emotion about Marcus is just kind of sadness, sad that, you know, the injuries took its toll. Things weren't consistent enough for him. And then he just couldn't step up to the plate. So bittersweet in that sense. But once Tannehill really took over the reins of the team and the team was able to play exactly how you imagine things could work out, uh, it was pretty incredible. Uh, the Titans are not a franchise known for fun offense. They've always been run the ball, play defense. And I know everyone who just watched the Titans in the playoffs thinks that's what they did all year. But no, Ryan Tannehill was spinning it all season and making exciting plays, making incredible throws, using his athleticism to run the ball and score touchdowns on the ground along with Derrick Henry. So uh, it was an incredibly fun to watch and so unexpected that uh, I, I think it's going to be a memorable season in Titans history forever, regardless of what happens next. So Tyler, let me ask you a, uh, a question about your team. First and foremost, there's a serious love hate relationship. Well, let me call it a hate hate relationship between the Titans <laughs> and the Jacksonville's uh, Jaguars that goes back over 20 some odd years. Jaguars back in uh, the season that was their best season in 1998. They went 15-3. and three. They lost three games to Tennessee. All three. All, All three. three. And uh, it, it, most people believe if they'd have got past the Titans, they would have they won the Super Bowl. They would have beat the Rams. So, um, that being said, we love Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is actually from about 15 miles from where I'm sitting at right now doing this podcast. So, we hate to see a native of our, you know, our own guy up there uh, running around, and you guys are happy with him, and fans here sometimes don't aren't happy with Leonard Fournette. How has Derrick Henry been able to overcome uh, a slow start the first year and a half to really, really become the pulse of that offense and uh, personifying the entire attitude of the Tennessee Titans? Can I tell you the honest truth, people? You know, on my show, I focus a lot on on scheme and what the Titans are doing with their outside zone and the X's and O's of things. But the answer to that question has nothing to do with football. Quite frankly, Deion Lewis was was basically getting the majority of carries for a few games. Uh, we saw David Fluellen get a few carries over Derrick Henry halfway through the 2018 season when Matt LaFleur was the Titans' offensive coordinator. And Eddie George talked to Derrick Henry and told him, you're running like a finesse back. You know, you're not running like your size. And this is your career on the line right now like you're getting carries taken away by Deion Lewis and we all saw Deion Lewis is not a starting running back in the NFL shouldn't be taking carries away from someone like Derrick Henry and after that conversation halfway through the 2018 season is when Derrick Henry became one of the best running backs in the NFL he just changed his mentality changed he started running behind his pads more running with the shoulders down more using that stiff arm just refusing to go down. A lot about the running back position is mentality. It's will. I know that they're skilled players. They really are. But a lot more to the running back position than people give credit is your will to just not go down. And uh, Derrick Henry's mentality changed, and that's really what saved his career. But, um, Wig, I'm going to give you a, a little hot take here, something that I've been thinking about that I haven't said yet on my show or on Twitter or anything. But if the Titans do not give an extension or a long-term contract to 
Derrick Henry here and he becomes an unrestricted free agent next year, my prediction is he will return home and Derrick Henry will be a Jacksonville Jaguar if he is not a Tennessee Titan. He will wow. go back home because Leonard Fournette is having issues with the current regime. He wants out of there reportedly. He's always, you know, making conversation. His rookie contract is, you know, is going to expire at some point. And I think that the Jaguars would love to replace Leonard Fournette with the exact opposite kind of mentality guy, a silent killer, a workhorse in the locker room, a real leader of a football team, uh, someone they can pair with, you know, a quarterback like Gardner Minshew or a Trevor Lawrence if that takes place. And you can afford a big-time running back like Derrick Henry if you have a rookie quarterback like a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. So I know that Titans fans may not want to hear that, but if, if the Titans don't give Derrick Henry his money, I think he goes to Jacksonville. Uh, let, me, let me piggyback off of that, yeah. too, before we get to John's question. You said that uh, he was criticized by Eddie George for not running with his pads down. He probably, in my opinion, was – dealing with the fact that the league has gone to all of these airbacks. And so he was trying to be, prove that he could do something that he, mm-hmm. that he's not. So guess what? When he comes here, you know, the, you know, the biggest complaint about Leonard Fournette outside of the stuff that you hear coming out of the locker room. And really he's just a funny guy. He had some issues, but he, Leonard, Leonard's not a bad dude. So right. he does a lot of charity. The thing is, is the criticism of the fans here is that he tries to run over people and he doesn't make a miss. So they would be hypocrites if they turn around and actually accept the fact that they're going to get a running back who's going to run over people and not make people miss when he does everything that he's supposed to do because that's what they criticize Fournette. Now, here's why they criticize Fournette for that. Because Fournette was the number four pick. Deshaun yep. Watson and Patrick Mahomes were on the board. And Christian McCaffrey went three picks later. Alvin Kamara went in the fourth, third round. Dalvin Cook went in the second round. All of those guys are airbacks in the same draft. And, and, and uh, Kareem Hunt went in the third round. All of those guys are airbacks, make you miss guys, and Leonard isn't. And, mm-hmm. the, and the quarterbacks were on the board, and they, and they didn't take them. So, really, they're kind of like the same guy, if you ask me. Well, uh, I, I personally, in my opinion, obviously, I think Derrick Henry is a, is a better player. But uh, I know that Leonard Fournette maybe gets a, a worse rap than, than he should in Jacksonville. But just, just a prediction. You know, there's something that, that I could see taking place if the Titans don't, you know, get that long-term contract done with Henry by, you know, this time tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tyler, my question is, Gino, this is John from Lockdown, Texas. My question is, how can you guys get back to the 2018 defense? The offense seemed to transcend last year once Tannehill was, you know, inserted into the starting lineup. But how can you guys get back to being like, wow, this Titans defense is really good. We have to really game plan for them because I think you average a little bit six six or seven more points allowed this year on defense compared to the uh, 18 from 2018. Well, I, I would say one big problem that the Titans ran into last year is, well, one, when you're scoring more points – on offense and you're hitting big plays that are, you know, going for a lot of yards and scoring touchdowns very quickly, the defense is going to be out on the field more and have more opportunities to get scored on and and give up yards. But also uh, he gets a bad rap and that's Malcolm Butler at cornerback. He broke his arm 
uh, halfway through the season against Carolina. And after that, the, the Titans' defense really took a hit. We started having cluster injuries at the cornerback position, playing our fourth, fifth, sixth-string cornerback as starters or valuable role players in our base defense and our nickel package. and our dime. We ran dime a lot last year with six defensive backs out on the field. And it's just hard to play the defense that the Titans wanted to play with all this complex zone blitzes, you know, rolling your zone coverages left and right and do all these difficult things when you're bringing in guys from the practice squad and you have your fifth and sixth string cornerback out there for a majority of the game it's tough to to be the defense you want to be when stuff like that happens but I think the Titans have gone a long way to try to add some depth and uh, athleticism to the defense so that they can play that speed defense that they want to now. And I also think that we're going to see a little bit of, of a shift. The Titans will always do those, you know, complex zones and things like that. But having a player like Logan Ryan as your nickel cornerback, he can't really play man-to-man coverage. Um, that's not his his game. That's not the, the type of scheme he needs to be in. So that kind of limited what the Titans – could do in terms of their man coverage usage, which I think they're going to do a lot more of this year and drafting a player like Christian Fulton at cornerback who played tons of press man at LSU against some of the best wide receivers in college football. I think that goes a long way towards transforming the defense into more of a man coverage defense, because I think we've seen that the only real way to deal with these high profile offenses like the Kansas city chiefs, which all of us in the AFC, that's what we're chasing now. And after that 10 year deal with Mahomes, that's, that's what we're all going to have to chase. How can you beat Kansas city? I think the only way you can really take on a speed offense like that is to blitz the quarterback, make them get rid of the ball early. So they can't hit those deep shots and have guys who can cover those speed guys, man to man. So that's how the Titans are going to try to get back to um, being a more balanced team and having you know, even if the offense regresses a little bit from a historic, you know, offense last year, if the defense steps up a little bit more and gets even close to 2018 or the first half of 2019, then they can be a well-balanced football team and win a lot of football games. Yeah, we can transition on now into segment two. Before we do so, I want to remind everyone, if you're not already, to subscribe to every show here on the Locked On Podcast, especially the ones here hosting your shows for the AFC South here, Tyler Rowan with Locked On Titans. Anthony, Tony Wiggins with Locked on Jaguars and John Hickman and Cody Davis over at Locked on Texans, as well as myself, Evan Sidery of Locked on Colts. We give you guys great content every single week here on the podcast and want to make sure you're subscribed to wherever you're listening to is type in Locked on Titans, Texans, Jaguars, Colts, wherever you're listening on whatever stream platform, we're right there for you guys wherever you're at. So we'll be back to you guys in just a second here to kick off segment two for Locked on Titans, talking about the Tennessee Titans even further. We are back for segment two, talking about the Tennessee Titans today with Tyler. And I wanted to ask you this, Tyler, because I think this player is poised for an even bigger breakout year in year two of his career, even though last year was already a massive year for him. A player I was pounding the table for last year and the draft for the Colts to get. Unfortunately, he went a little bit before the Colts pick in the second round. That was A.J. Brown of the Tennessee Titans. 52 catches, 1,051 yards, eight touchdowns, over 20 yards of reception for a rookie is absolutely insane, Tyler. What's your expectation for him in the year two? Because I feel like with Tannehill on board now, we could see A.J. Brown get around 1,500 yards and about 10 to 12 touchdowns next year. 
Yeah, I think that the the reality of the situation is he got so many big plays last year. His efficiency was off the charge, averaging over 20 yards per catch. I just don't think that, that he'll be able to repeat that sort of efficiency, but I expect more catches. He wasn't playing more than 60 to 70% of snaps throughout the first half of the season. They really got him into the offense um, in a slow transition. He kind of crescendoed throughout the year up to when he really broke out there in the back half of the season, the last eight games or so, and really blew up and became the player that that we're expecting to see more of. So I think he'll have more catches. You know, he, like you said, he only had 52. He'll have hopefully in the 80 range as he becomes more of a focal point of the offense, probably have a little less efficiency. But you got to expect tons of yards and you got to expect tons of touchdowns. His number one talent is his ability after the catch. He's a bull. He's, he's a big man with incredible uh, athleticism, incredible speed, and he has just an end ability to know how to set people up to to get open and the Titans have great downfield blockers they really do have a team full of guys who really hustle and try hard and do all the little things so when you have a Corey Davis blocking downfield a Jonu Smith uh, you're going to be able to break some of these short catches off a of play action that the Titans do for a lot of yards and, and big chunk plays. So I expect A.J. Brown to continue to blossom and to be in a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL, although I expect a little less efficiency in terms of yards per catch. I expect more catches and, and similar production as, as he just fits perfectly into what the Titans are trying to do on offense. And I think that's the number one takeaway of the offense is everybody just fits so well in their role. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and, and, uh, Evan stole my thunder a little bit because I had a, a big, big message here on my board here to talk about AJ Brown because I think he's good. So what I'll do is talk about the other guy who's a young guy who I think is really good. There was a lot of talk, uh, in the off season about, uh, just like the nuke trade is like, how come the Titans only got that for Jarrell Casey? And, uh, in fact, I was talking to a former NFL player online about it, and I said, have you seen Jeffrey Simmons? Because the thing is, is Jeffrey Simmons was actually drafted. His best position is where Jarrell Casey played. Mm -hmm. And Jarrell Casey was an older player. So they moved on from Jarrell Casey, not to say that he wasn't good, but I think it's to maximize what Jeffrey Simmons can bring to the table. I think a year or two from now, Jeffrey Simmons is going to be one of those guys that we talk about with Fletcher Cox how we spoke of Fletcher Cox, how we spoke of Aaron Donald. Give me your assessment of him because he came back, you know, from a torn ACL and played early. And then last year when you saw him really get a full season, you saw a dominant he could be as a football player. Wig, if, if you were trying to put a smile on my face, man, mission accomplished. Jeffrey Simmons is, is one of those players who, if he gets to his full potential, you're right. He can be a top five interior defensive lineman in the league with the Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, those type of players. He really can be that. And I uh, tweeted out a, a, a couple of pictures the other day, his picture from after he got drafted when he's in Nissan Stadium uh, with his Titans hat on from you know right after the draft after he tore his ACL and he's you can see it in his face in his neck in his shoulders compared to the picture that he just put online a couple weeks ago he doesn't even look like the same guy it's it's really unbelievable no knee brace I think that at the time during the draft he was a top five talent you know he could have gone top four top three in terms of his talent before that ACL tear and then of course the the video surfacing of of his altercation with the woman when he was in high school um 
So all of that combined, the Titans got him at 19. And I think if he's fully healthy, then yeah, I, I do see his potential getting there. And you have a better perspective on it than a lot of Titans fans do, quite frankly. Um, that's the reason that they were able to get Jarrell Casey kind of out of there. It saved them $11 million and there's cap uncertainty with COVID-19 and people want Derrick Henry re-signed so bad, but you know, they don't realize that they wouldn't have been able to even consider that if they didn't get rid of Jarrell Casey to there's Johnu Smith who needs an extension and Jay on Brown who needs an extension. So uh, the money that they had to save Jarrell Casey going into his 10th season in the NFL and slowing down a little bit, if we're honest throughout the year combined with Jeffrey Simmons ascension and, and him playing the three technique best that's his best role as an interior pass rusher so you combine all of those things together uh, it made all the sense in the world to get rid of Jarrell Casey and while it was a seventh round pick and that creates some consternation with Titans fans if J John Robinson could have got a higher draft pick he would have taken it it's not like he turned down better deals um, clearly nobody would have taken that salary except for only a seventh-round pick, or they would have just had to cut him, and people would have been even more upset if they just outright cut Drell Casey as a cap casualty. So I think it was the right move. And at this point, how can you not trust what John Robinson is doing as a Titans fan with, with how he's turned – this thing around. So that that's kind of how I feel about the Jarrell Casey trade. But it's definitely still a, a divisive topic um, in the Titans fan base. And unless they make that one big move, I'm sure you guys know I'm talking about. I don't know if some people will ever be happy regardless of what happens. Yeah, here's my question. Not that flashy, uh, not that fancy, but how do you feel about Logan Woodside and Cole McDonald as backups? Uh, I feel like the Titans should be calling Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Fans don't want to hear that. You know, there's a portion of fans that don't want to hear that. You guys know. You see it. And I understand the the downside of, you know, he hasn't played in quite some time. Of course, there will be more media involved than, than Tennessee is used to. All of that. But uh, – and even if it's not Colin Kaepernick, uh, somebody like a Trevor Simeon, uh, a Blake Bortles, you know, they got to get somebody in there – who can give them more certainty. It, it, people want to say if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt for a long time, then the Titans are screwed anyway. Well, what if he only gets hurt for two and a half games? He goes out in the second quarter of a game and is out for two weeks. Are we going to tank the entire season with two dudes who we've never seen play? Cole McDonald, as a seventh-round rookie, they got to change his entire release mechanics just to get him to be able to play NFL football because he gets stripped so much because he hangs the ball down in this big loop that he does when he throws the ball. Logan Woodside, he's like the guy everybody said, no, I'd rather go with Logan Woodside, give him a chance. We've never seen him be a consistent NFL player. He's a practice squad guy for most of his career. I'm not trusting a couple of weeks of the season to Logan Woodside. So to me, call Colin Kaepernick, work him out. Blake Bortles, Trevor Simeon, get, give some of these guys a shot and, uh, and see what they have. I know that everybody wants to wait and see what Logan Woodside has, and I get it, but I, I just don't think the Titans – it's Super Bowl or bust for the Titans this year after last year. Whether we want to believe it or not, that's, that's the case. you got to take that next step. And uh, given a couple of weeks of the season to Logan Woodside or Cole McDonald, I think would be a mistake. So call a veteran backup who has starting experience, work them out, and, and let's not risk the season on these guys. Last one I had for you here, Tyler, on Tannehill, because when you look at his contract, of course, from the number standpoint, four years, $118 million, but 
after the second year in 2021, the debt cap goes down to $10 million in 2022. So it's an easy out for two years if you want to. But were you surprised by how big a money Tannehill got where over $118 million only played around 10 weeks of the season? He did very well in those instances, leading the Titans all the way to the playoffs. But they kind of relied a lot on Derrick Henry, not much on Ryan Tannehill's shoulders there. Is it kind of buyer beware with you see how Tannehill does this year in Nashville with the full reins with him? Because, of course, we haven't really seen him do it consistently throughout his career. I think any honest Titans fan will say there is some buyer beware feelings in the, in, in the bottom of your stomach. You can't ignore it. Tannehill, like you said, he's had good moments. It's not like he was a, a bad quarterback, but he wasn't what we saw last year. That was Joe Montana levels for the last, you know, 10, 13 games of the season, including the playoffs. So you can't quite expect that again but like I mentioned earlier in the show just everyone seemed to fit so perfectly in their role and we haven't seen a Titans offense like that so long to you know 10 years 15 years um, I think you just couldn't let him walk and and the thing is you talk about the the contract and while that's the downside oh we're tied into so much money COVID-19 obviously came out of nowhere and will affect the 2021 salary cap but you got to hope it doesn't affect the, the 2022 and the 2023 salary caps. And if the salary cap goes back to normal in those, you know, seasons, then the Tannehill deal will look like a, a, a pretty good bargain, especially when we're seeing the contract that Patrick Mahomes signed. You're going to see a contract for Deshaun Watson soon. Lamar Jackson probably will get that sort of deal next year. Dak Prescott could, you know, get a, a big free agent deal next year if, if the Cowboys don't tag him again. So it, we could be looking a year from now and Ryan Tannehill's deal, which has already dropped from average per year from seven to 10, just since he signed it, he could be down at like 13, 12, 13 highest paid quarterback in the NFL by that time. So you look at that kind of value that you're getting for a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill who is probably right there from, you know, at his best, he can play top five and average, he might be 12, 13. So I think the Titans actually got really good value for Ryan Tannehill in that contract. And it just continues to increase in value as we see quarterbacks get more money and with the salary cap going up as as we expect once we get through you know the pandemic uh, reduced salary cap I think it'll it'll be a great bargain for the Titans to kind of keep the ship going forward in the same direction. Tyler my last question for you is, sure. is, is here um, with uh, three or four years ago teams were probably thinking okay eventually Tom Brady's going to get old. Uh, Peyton had left Okay, eventually, you know, Andrew Luck has to prove that he can get over the hump. Eventually, Phillip Rivers is going to get old. Now, in the AFC, whoever plays in the AFC that hopes to go get a title, they have to deal with Patrick Mahomes. They have to deal with Deshaun Watson. They have to deal with Lamar Jackson. So be careful what you ask for. My question is, defensively, in the defensive backfield, you guys, you know, you kind of play run game, power game, and, and people call it dinosaur football. They did it to Jacksonville in 2017. How do, and Roethlisberger, throw him in. He's getting old too, right? And they got these young guys. Defensively, what is a Dory Jackson? And, and can you guys, can, can you consistently guard people uh, with your defensive backs? Because I think that's the kind of league we're going to have to go to to stop those other quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I think that's what the, the Titans are, are trying to do with some of the moves that they've made lately. And I think a Dory Jackson is an underrated player. I think he's a, a really good cornerback in his quite frankly, Olympic level speed allows him to be a primary cornerback to go up against Tyree Kill, T.Y. Hilton, some of these speed wide receivers that we're seeing emerge around the NFL. So I do think that he's going to be in Tennessee long term. They're going to give him a contract 
Um, they already picked up his fifth year option and then Malcolm Butler's getting older and the Titans will need to replace him. But I, I still think he has a little bit left to be that secondary cornerback for the Titans for at least another year. Christian Fulton, was one of the best press corners in college football at LSU. He went up against premier wide receivers. I think he can take Malcolm Butler's place. I think the Titans next year, next year, cornerback will be a huge need for the Titans. I wouldn't be surprised to see them address that either in free agency with a mid-level player or go very high in the draft to get a cornerback to continue to do that. But the safeties and Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard, I think are fantastic. So if you have a Dory Jackson, you have Christian Fulton, you have Malcolm Butler, you look to add more to that position in the upcoming off seasons uh, with the safety group. I, I think uh, the Titans are kind of building a secondary that you need to build uh, to take down some of these high-profile offenses, but ultimately having a great pass rush will help with that, and that kind of gets us back to you know talking about Jeffrey Simmons earlier and maybe if Harold Landry can emerge even further as an edge rusher. But that is going to wrap up this AFC South Ultimate Division crossover podcast about the Tennessee Titans. I am the host of the Locked On Titans, Tyler Rowland, here with the host of the Locked On Jaguars, Tony Wiggins, host of the Locked On Colts, Evan Sidery, and host of the Locked On Texans, John Hickman. We are going to be back tomorrow with the third edition of our Ultimate Division division crossover series for the AFC South with the Indianapolis Colts and host Evan Sidery. So we will see you guys tomorrow for that 